Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. And they praise God for having given such authority to men. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I wish you each a very nice Fourth of July. Make a family day of it if you can, and eat some nice food, and uh, stay at a harm's way. Stay home. In the gospel today, the people are impressed with our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ because he could forgive sin and he could heal. So I think that sin in itself is a sickness and uh, God loves the repentant sinner, and he loves those who live an ascetical life so that keeping their passions in control, they avoid sin. So anyway, the monks here and myself, we have a doctor downtown, and uh, He's a very honest man. So that we go at least once a year for a physical. And uh, he looks us over and helps us with our allergies and all those things. And he says to us, first visit, there's only thing I can, two things I can do for you. Give you pills that may help you or cut and paste, operate on you. And I think he was honest. He didn't promise us any miracles. Um, but we know that miracles of healing and of forgiveness of sin are amongst us. So sometimes in my uh, pondering, I thought to myself, what is the greater gift? Be healed physically or to have your sins forgiven? And since most uh, illness is the result of the illness of our ancient parents, Adam and Eve, or of our lack of really care of our body, our health, or it's just the result of getting older because we're under the curse of original sin. Now, what can we do about those things? I really think the only thing we can do is live a more spiritual life and ask God to heal us I, I've seen real tragedies in uh, when I was in pastor pastor work, and I've seen healings. 
So I think I told you the story once before, but it bears repetition. In uh, Seattle, they have a children's hospital. And uh, even in the face of illness, children are the most trusting and the most forgiving. So when I was a deacon and I was in New York, every Sunday afternoon, the deacons would leave the seminary and go to various hospitals to bring the gifts, the holy gifts, the holy communion. So one of the deacons was seeing this little boy. He was eight years of age and he was dying. And uh, I guess it scared the deacon that this young man, this young child is dying, and the, the boy could sense that. And so uh, he looked at the deacon, and he says to him, don't be afraid. He says, I'm going to go home to Jesus. I think we all had a cry. His faith was great in the face of sure death. His beautiful faith. Just last year, we lost a young lady. I married the couple some years ago. They had about four children or five, four. I think it's four children. And uh, she was very brave. Never lost lost hope. She left a beautiful message about faith and healing when she fell asleep in the Lord. And she's in the ground over there near Ellensburg. Um, It's not always that way. Sometimes people are, they can't stand pain, which is difficult for all of us, and they have no consolation from faith. And they have no consolation from a priest or anybody. Many times I would go one day to visit at the hospital and make a list to bring communion the next day. And when I came the next day, the bed was empty. They had to fall asleep in the Lord during the night, and they were gone. Um, Death is a swift visitor. So the people in the gospel are amazed. They know these things, that this human being, this Jesus Christ, was a healer. And people will go thousands of miles to find a healer. They should remember in every parish, every parish priest is a healer. He forgives sin. And pain and sickness is a result of sin and the weaknesses that we inherited from our ancient parents. For sure. So one of the things you can do while you live and you go through the stages of life, 
And all these stages are prophesied in the, especially in the Old Testament. You know that text about there's a time to do this, a time to do that. You all know that text. And uh, I think about that. But it also says we don't know the day nor the hour. We don't know how much time we're going to have here. We all presume we're going to have a lot of time, but that's not necessarily true. Some of us will live to be great and old. Some of us will die young. Uh, in the military, I saw a lot of people die young for their country. And today is the 4th of July, our Independence Day. The Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. And we rebelled from Great Britain, not necessarily the king, because he defended us in Parliament, our rebellion against taxation. That's history. We should know our history of our country. Uh, today, having been a military man, I think of all the people who died for our nation, beginning with the revolution, American Revolution, and uh, even now, people are dying. Sometimes I worry about our, our nation because we do take very good care of our military people. Don't, don't think we don't. But some of are going to die regardless of what we do. And I was privileged to serve my country. It's a great privilege. I mean, think about the young people. When I would go to the hospitals to visit, I was a chaplain for my first tour of duty. I was a chaplain at Keesler Air Force Base, and there was a, a regional hospital there, Air Force. And I go in, it was ATC, our training command. And um, I don't want to get too graphic. Every day I'd make the rounds, see who wanted, who wanted communion, who wanted absolution. Maybe who was going to die or not. So I talked to this one guy, gentleman. He was pretty sick. The next day, I went into the operation th uh, theater, and he was in bed. They had four doctors around him, and his aorta split, and the blood hit the ceiling. And the four doctors standing and said, Chaplain, get over here and say some prayers. So I went over and said some prayers. This man, I met him in uh, his room. And his wife was there. 
and she wasn't very kind to him. And I didn't like that. I didn't say anything. But died the next day in the emergency room there. And I thought he'd probably be better off than being living with a wife like that. I don't know. Another time I visited this couple and they were beautiful people. Uh, I mean, beautiful physically people. Just very handsome couple. And I went in there and they told me they were gonna give, they were gonna give him a weekend pass so they could go wherever they wanted to do whatever they wanted to do and do. And uh, I said, that's wonderful. But see, I'd worked in the hospitals a long time. And, that was like I knew he wasn't, something drastic was gonna happen. Next time seeing him, his leg was off of his body all the way up to the, his buttocks. Terrible cancer. Um, I don't want to hear many more stories about that. What I'm telling you is in Slavonic, they have a saying, Shetka Naruki Boja, everything's in the hands of God. Scripture says, where I live or I die, I belong to, my, to God. That's a great lesson. So when you're in pain, you belong to God. When you're happy, you have a family, you belong to God. And you're standing at the altar and your holy priest you are. You belong to God. When you fall in love with a good woman or a good man, you belong to God. And when you're dying, you especially belong to God. My great uncle John, I was telling this story to the pilgrim the other day, and uh, they'd come from Europe. They'd been nothing you're familiar with, the Austro-Hungarian Empire too much. They were in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. They were Slovaks. And you know, in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, every young man from 20 to 25 served in the emperor's army. And my grandfather served, he did that before he came to America. And he, he served in the Schoenbrunn, which is the palace in Vienna. He stood in the doorway with the gun to protect the emperor and the imperial family. Uh, he had another assignment, it's sort of funny, different one before that. He had a, a bunch of gypsies, <laughs> and they didn't want to take a bath. So he'd have to get him out in the courtyard and turn the hose on him twice a week. So he didn't like that. And he asked him, he says, why won't you take a bath? And they said to him, did you look in the mirror? He says, yes, I've looked in the mirror. He says, see how pale you are? You washed all the color out of your skin. You know, they, that's the true story, it's sort of funny. 
We all have different perceptions. So my great uncle, he came to America before doing his duty to the, uh, to the emperor. So my grandfather came to get him and take him back to Europe. When he came, he didn't go back, he stayed. Why did he stay? Because they knew the, the um, liberal politicians were going to destroy the country. The revolutionary things were happening about 1848 or so, made a lot of trouble in Europe, which they have not gotten over yet. So anyway, he was, uh, they, they lived very nicely when they came to America. They worked hard, they saved their money. They were very careful. They didn't go out for entertainment. They entertained each other at home. They raised their children. And they became pretty well off, actually. You could do that in those days. Now it's harder because of the tax structure. But anyway, so my great uncle, he was in the house in Yonkers, New York. And they used to have railroad apartments. That meant you had the kitchen in the back, then you had the dining room, and then you had the bedroom, and then you had the living, and they were all in a row. That's the way they built it. And they had these big railroad apartment buildings. A lot of people lived in them. Cold water flats, they called them. So he went from, from the, he was going from the dining room into the bedroom, and he fell. And in my great aunt, Anna, she went over to pick him up. And he said to her in our language, Nerushai, don't touch me. Smirka pridzema nanas, which means the smirka is the angel of death. He said, Smirka he said, the angel of death is here with for me. And he died. I thought about that all my life, because I heard it around the house, you know. How lucky he was, an angel came for him, you know. Wonder who's gonna come for us. This is a lugubrious topic today, because we should grieve for those people who died without the benefits of the sacraments, of a priest, and those who died in the field with no consolation. In, uh, if we're going out on a, some type of exercise, we had a chain. We put it around our neck, and it had uh, on like little metal plates, prayers. So if you met a person who wasn't Catholic, if it's a priest, I mean, if you're a priest, well, you know, if it's a Catholic, you anoint them and you console them. You know what they told us in the chaplaincy? Console the living, anoint the dying, and bury the dead. That was our job.
Many times we had to do that. It was a beautiful job, beautiful thing to take care of these people. Many times uh, people don't have that grace. And if you know, when you receive the holy gifts, you receive holy communion just before you die, you're going to go to heaven. It's the food for the journey. In Latin, they call it viaticum, the food for the journey. So it's an even greater grace if you receive that food. The other thing is that frequent confession is important because you really never know when you're going to fall asleep in the Lord, when the angel's going to come. So don't take it around, well, I'm young, I'm 30 years old, or this or that. In my life as a priest, I buried more young people than older people, very young people. But I was always consoled that they had their Catholic faith and they had the sacraments, and I was doing something. Have I seen miracles? I have. I'll take you one. I was in Seattle, that's where I started with this homily. And the phone call, and it was Sunday afternoon. Priests really don't like to go out on Sunday afternoon. They probably couldn't find a priest, and they just happened upon me. Of course, I didn't want to go out, but I knew I had to go out. This little girl was dying in Children's Hospital. So, I got in the car, got a cantor to go with me, because I always sing the prayers. I got there, they took me to, you know, she was marked for death. She was already, they thought she was gonna die. So I got in there. She's just a little girl, maybe eight. And she had her a gauze on her head where they were, had operated on her brain. And they said, they're, they're, the nurse told me there's no hope. And they were Roman Catholic people. I told them, I'm a Byzantine Catholic priest. I says, as your child received all the sacraments. I says, you know, in the Eastern Church, our children, very young, when they're born, they receive baptism, chrismation, and the Holy Eucharist right away. But Catholics have a different discipline. They said, no, she's been baptized. I said, would you mind if I give her the rest of the sacraments? They said, no. So I chrismated her. I had the precious blood with me. I gave her a few drops of precious blood in her mouth. Then I started to anoint her, and I had the relic of the true cross. I put it five times on her, and she woke up. And she lived to go home and be with her family sometime after that. That's a miracle. Beautiful. And they treated her like a princess. They had her, her bedroom fixed up with fancy linens and everything like that. And she would receive the sacraments and everything. 
It's a beautiful. But we all knew that it was just a matter of time. But it was a miracle. Another time I went to the hospital, this young man, he had cancer. And uh, I'd go to visit him. I'd bring him the Blessed Sacrament. And he was sort of new to our church. I'd spent a lot of time talking to him about being a Byzantine Catholic. And so the last time I went to the hospital, he was, he was okay. I thought he was okay. And uh, you see someone say something to you, Father. I said, well, what do you want to say? He says, you've taken very good care of me. I'm grateful to the Byzantine Catholic Church. It's a beautiful thing for him to say to me. That afternoon, he fell asleep in the Lord. He was going to go home, but he fell asleep in the Lord. And I had the funeral. He's in the plot over there in Seattle. We have 50 graves for Byzantine Catholics there. So when you think of rejoicing in your freedoms today, and we should always do that, we should always be grateful that we can celebrate our religion in these United States. And even though today it seems like it's threatened, I'm sure it will not destroy us completely. We will survive. And you should thank Jesus Christ to like in the gospel has left men amongst us who can forgive sin and heal the sacred priesthood. You are the most blessed of people because you are Catholics and you hold all these gifts from your Savior. Even as you walk the earth on the way to your heavenly home, Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.